I'm Jeanette Braverman, connector, entrepreneur, author, business professional, and yes, a public official. I've successfully pivoted multiple industries and along the way, I've met a lot of wonderful people. And now I've started a podcast called Keep the Conversation Going. Why? Because I have a lot to say, but most importantly, because I'm a continual learner and researcher. I love hearing from leaders that are also leaving legacies and making a difference in the lives of others. You see, that's my tribe, and I'd like you to meet them. I'll be interviewing leaders from around the world and just regular people that are also leaving a legacy. Please note that all of their opinions and beliefs are their own, but I guarantee that the conversations will be so interesting that you'll want to keep the conversation going. I look forward to hearing your feedback. Enjoy. This is Jeanette Braverman with Keep the Conversation Going, and I have with me today Dr. Erin Henry. She is the Senior Director of Strategy and Planning and Chief of Staff at Northwestern Mutual. In this role, she supports strategy and operations for the HR Executive Office. Prior to joining Northwestern Mutual, Dr. Henry worked at Johnson Controls, where she worked in multiple capacities, including supplier diversity and sustainability, continuous improvement, and strategic planning. She also trained as an organizational, she's trained as an organizational sociologist. Henry's expertise centers on cross-boundary leadership and collaboration to drive organizational strategy and innovation. She has published several academic articles and case studies on topics including collaboration, leadership, innovation, and business history. Henry received a PhD in organizational behavior from Harvard Business School, a master's in sociology from Harvard University, and an MBA from the Tuck School of Business at Dartmouth College. Her BA is in economics and international studies from the University of Madison. We are so excited to have Dr. Henry with us today. Thank you so much for being with us, Erin. Really great to be here. Thanks for having me. Okay, so I just spent five minutes on all your degrees. <laughs> <laughs> and I know everybody's asking, where in the world is she from? Yeah, yeah. Yes, and you're right here in our backyard right from Milwaukee. Right here in Milwaukee. So I grew up in Sherman Park um, with a wonderful uh, two, uh, two um, my mom and my dad and my sister. Um, yeah, so I'm a Milwaukee girl. As, as much as people say that I sound like I'm from Cali, I'm from Milwaukee. <laughs> you do. You do have a California <laughs> accent. I can hear it. It's like, don't get it twisted. <laughs> love it. Wow. So, um, so you grew up in the inner city of yeah. Milwaukee. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Let's talk about it. Yeah. So it's, it's funny because I grew up here, left, came back, left, came, came back. back. And I was one of those people who said I would never come back to Milwaukee, but, uh, came back four years ago, four and a half years ago, actually. Um, and my pack to myself was, if I come back, there's so much good work to do. So yeah. um, getting involved in the community is really important to me. Yeah. So let's talk about your whole journey. Let's talk about mm -hmm. the PhD journey, yeah. first of all. <laughs> so what made you decide to pursue your PhD? Yeah, you know, it's funny how life works. As much of a planner as I am, I never quite thought I would do a PhD. Mm. Um, so I was at the University 
of Wisconsin-Madison for undergrad, and I was really fortunate to have been in some research programs. So I was an undergraduate research scholar and also a McNair research scholar. So um, I had wonderful mentors who were faculty members who took me under their wing, and I did research for all four years of undergrad. I said, eh, this is cool, but I'm, I'm doing this business thing. I'm going to get my MBA. Thank you for the great experience, but that's not really what I want to do. Oh, interesting. Um, and then I ended up doing an MBA and found that I loved the academic environment and I enjoyed doing case studies. And of course, you know, you're, you're under the um, persona of the manager and you have to respond to these case studies as the manager. What would you do? Okay, I was good at that. Mm. But I wanted to go at the underlying frameworks of the case studies. So that's kind of a different, more scholarly level so yeah. I had to to actually pay attention and say hey maybe there's something to that and I had a wonderful mentor who came from the <coughs> McNair Scholars Program who would check on me about every six months and she'd say what are you doing are you thinking about going to get a PhD yet what are you doing oh, and, wow. and so when you have mentors like that who really care it does ingrain something in you to say well maybe that's a possible future. Maybe that's a possible way forward. Mm. And she encouraged me right after undergrad to keep a journal of um, research ideas while I was working. And so I did that. And um, after my first year of MBA, I said, oh, okay, I'm not going to ignore this anymore and ended up applying for PhD programs. Wow. So you went to school for how many years? <laughs> Well, seven years of graduate school plus another four for undergrad. My so, goodness. Uh, I like school. I, I think so. <laughs> I think a little so. Bit. Yes. And then so you also taught at Harvard, right? Yeah, yeah. So, of course, like so many other business schools, they have executive education programs. Mm -hmm. So there were lots of executives coming through. Um, so I taught and facilitated in one of the programs that were for – um, that was for high potential leaders. So they would okay. come there right before promotion, essentially. Um, and it was a six-month program. So I would pop in for certain um, certain facilitations to help them better understand what they learned in their previous sessions or mm. um, coach them a bit on how they might bring back what they've learned to their jobs. And then I, I taught an MBA class and um, – and help create a new class on uh, responsible capitalism, mm. which is a, a topic that I hope we speak more about. Right. Because it is, I mean, we, we watch the news every day and there's always horribly disturbing things about capitalism and, and what's going on, mm -hmm. it's especially in a booming market. It's, it's not as in the forefront, but cer certain things in our economy just aren't sustainable. So this class looked at, well, how can we have a more sustainable global economy and what's the role of managers? This was a second year MBA class. So we were about to launch these MBAs into the world. So how could we help them think differently? That about is their roles? such an important topic. Wow. Yeah. Now, do you speak on that topic? No, I actually don't. It's just something that I feel so deeply about and and I guess as launching MBAs into the world I also, I also launch myself in the world yeah um, and and take that viewpoint into my own career of 
how can we think about these things differently in organizations? I love it. So, okay, so you were an academic, you were an academic for a mm-hmm. while. So mm-hmm. how long were you an ap- academic? How many years? Yeah, so I did the five-year PhD program, taught and did research during the, during that time and figured out that I love doing research, but I also like being a practitioner. Mm. So um, after the five years, I thought this, the scholar practitioner was the way for me to go so instead of going down the tenure track road I ended up coming back to industry and using um, what I learned in the training in industry. Wow so what was your first job after leaving Harvard? Yeah so I was recruited for my job at Northwestern Mutual so that's how I ended up back in Milwaukee. Back in Milwaukee okay right and uh, I was recruited for this job on strategic workforce planning So Northwestern Mutual was going through lots of changes because the financial services industry was changing. And uh, they realized that their workforce needed to change too to not only reflect their client base, but also to reflect all the transformation that was going on in the industry. Mm -hmm. So I was the company's first enterprise workforce planner. And it's kind of a mashup type of job that links human capital, strategy, and finance. So it's it's a bit of a quirky type of job. Yeah, and exactly. they were having a hard time finding someone. And they thought that my background would be a good fit since as an organizational sociologist who spent a lot of time researching companies that were changing rapidly and how they had to shift their organizations. Um, so that's how I ended up in the role. And, and it was a, a, a good couple of years of really digging in deep into the organization and figuring out how do we do things differently. Yeah, so how did you, how were you able to navigate that environment to move into the role that you're, that you're in now? Because I know the role today is huge. Yeah. You're chief of staff. So how many employees are you overseeing now? Yeah, so I, I work on programs and program, and program management programs that touch all 6,000 employees that we have. Wow. Uh, so it's fascinating because I was joking with someone the other day, so I've been at the company for four years, and it feels like I have worked for two different companies because the employee base, the culture, the behaviors have changed so significantly. And I'm really proud to say and, and to point to my work in – um, strategic workforce planning and organizational behavior and now program managing HR strategic projects because these are the things that have really moved the needle at the company. Um, it, and it's fascinating to see how things have changed and, and how that supported uh, folks in Milwaukee who, who work at Northwestern Mutual who want to work there in the future. Yeah, so, you, so are you truly using all of the education that you obtained? <laughs> I mean... Like, I don't know how many years of education. I think we said like 11, maybe. Because <laughs> it was seven in, in right, grad, right, right? right? And so, like, are you using that and really applying it? Because I know a lot of people ask this question, right? Yeah, it's like, they okay, do. You, if you go to school for X number of years, like, do you really use all of that knowledge that you've obtained? Yeah, so I definitely use the MBA okay. every single day. Yes. And what I learned there, everything from the financial acumen to some of the – Uh, managerial skills so definitely that and I do use what I learned in the PhD and and going deep and sitting with leaders and organizations for years to do Mm -hmm. the research Um, and and I'd say the thing that um, again a mashup of things that that has helped me is a way to critically look at organizations. So as an organizational sociologist, I'm fascinated about organizational life, 
the good, the bad, and the ugly. Mm. And any company, Northwestern Mutual included, that's going through major strategic shifts in uh, in a, an industry that's constantly changing, mm-hmm. uh, there's always something new uh, or that's going on in the organization or things that we have to get in front of because of the industry, because of our, our um, competitors. Uh, so... The, uh, and the ability to look critically at those things, to question, to interrogate, uh, those skill sets are highly transferable, yeah. whether it's in academe or in industry. Yeah, but it sounds like your role is very much needed across several organizations, and I mm-hmm. don't know they have them. Mm-hmm. I don't know that they have that role, right? Yeah. Yours was created specifically for you. Right. You brought the talent to the table, and so now you've been able to effectively utilize all your skills, which is huge. So um, what do you like most about your job? Yeah, I'd say that I know that I, for all the jobs I've had at Northwestern Mutual, I have my fingerprints on transformation. Okay. Um, it's, it's really interesting to look back and say, oh, a couple of years ago it looked like this. Or even six months ago, things were so different. So it's really rewarding to say, hey, I, I've supported a company, and this company has been around for 162 years to, to continue to um, grow and thrive for another 162 years. Wow. So I guess let's talk a little bit about your MBA journey mm-hmm. and going to Dartmouth, yeah. right? Yeah. Tuck School of Business. Yes. What was that like? Yeah. So I mean, because like you're the Ivy in Ivy League. Yes. <laughs> so people want to know about this. What is that Ivy League life like? Yeah, yeah. So it's it's funny because I cried when I got the acceptance letter to Dartmouth and they weren't happy tears they were sad tears why I was crying with my mom and I said oh my god I am going to the woods (laughs) Dartmouth is in Hanover New Hampshire and I don't know if you've ever been to Hanover New Hampshire it's in the middle of nowhere but you really wanted to go there but I really wanted to go there because I was focused on the education that I could get and the classmates that I would meet and grow and learn from absolutely Um, and the network that you and the network build so I finally get over moving to New Hampshire Mm -hmm. like two years ago Mm -hmm. after not being there for (laughs) years (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh my goodness. But it was a really amazing experience. I mean, when you're with the best of the best yes. and they challenge your thinking, highly uncomfortable, let me tell you, for the first couple of months. Yeah. I mean, there were tears and I'm not a crier. Yeah. So so Dartmouth had tears. So they challenged your competence, I bet, right? That's right. Like, That's do right. you belong here? Probably. Right, right. And people talk about imposter syndrome. Yeah. I mean, major imposter syndrome yeah I'm like, oh my god how do they know all this stuff my classmates um, how, how diverse did... is it that's that's the question I have as well like how diverse was yeah, it yeah yeah so the business school has about 230 mm-hmm. 240 students that are usually in a class and I'd say for diverse students there are about 10 of us okay maybe 11 uh, so, so not horribly mm-hmm, diverse, mm-hmm. and you're in a very rural area that's not diverse. So that was another challenge for me. I mean, I'm so used to being around people from, that look like you, that look like me, that come from different backgrounds, that get me. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Dartmouth was such uh, a learning experience. I mean, I talk about 
being out of your comfort zone, I was way out of my comfort zone. Mm. But that was the right time for me to be out of my comfort zone. So you obviously were a great student in high school, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. so I'm sure your ACT scores were off the charts. <laughs> ACT, SAT scores are probably off the charts. And so for those that are actually looking to pursue a degree mm-hmm. at an Ivy League, like what sort of advice would you give them? Yeah, so... Starting with the graduate degree. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, I, I went to a state university for undergrad, but for graduate school, I mean, your, your grades have to be good, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. And you have to be smart. But at that point, everybody's smart. Mm. So the the graduate admissions folks are looking for what else can you bring what else can you contribute Mm. so anything from pushing yourself in your jobs and the in the projects that you're involved in and and stepping out on a limb and say hey let me take a risk okay that helps um your community involvement matters too Get involved, do something interesting, whether it's joining someone else's organization, their nonprofit, or start your own. I mean, you end up meeting just these amazing people who have done so many different things in graduate school. So why not be one of those people? So they have an entrepreneurial spirit, or they look for people Mm -hmm. that are either entrepreneurs or that are just pursuing great things in the community, giving back. Oh, that's awesome. Right, because you ultimately want to contribute to the the class that they build. So, Mm -hmm. um, Well, they're looking for people that, I guess, that will differentiate themselves from others, right? That's right. So never doubt that you're not good enough or that you're not bringing something to the table. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's funny because when I got to Harvard, they said, oh, you have such an interesting background. And I'm like, what? (laughs) I'm just this normal girl who did some normal things. And it's like, no, 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 no. So I'd say anybody looking to graduate school in general, especially at Ivy's, Mm -hmm. don't discount yourself. Mm. Don't, Don't diminish what you're doing because you're different than other people so yeah. so never forget that so my sons and I we actually visited Harvard um I think it was around March I think it was in the spring uh, of this year mm-hmm. it was such beautiful oh yeah. such a beautiful campus and just so prestigious yeah you know um and I think there were two African-American young students um, young women that were that took us on the tour well one took us on the tour one was working in the store but um, they had mentioned to me that you know it wasn't very diverse their experience Mm -hmm. hadn't been very diverse Mm -hmm. you know while there Um, and so but but you know they got through it yep you know they were able to build their networks and um, I think there were some African-American groups whatever that they participated in so what was that experience like for you yeah, so at Harvard, especially at the PhD level, you're dealing with very, very small numbers. Okay. Um, so I was in the, the joint sociology and organizational behavior program. So the year I came in, they accepted two people, wow. one of which was me. Okay. Um, so very small numbers. Um, but for and, the master's, you were in the master's program as well, right? Yes, so. yeah. So I, was in, I, I did a master's of sociology there, a, a bit more diverse just okay. due okay. to the nature of the topic. Uh but still, it's it's very um, it's not horribly diverse, not. Um, especially when you get to the PhD at the business schools. I mean, we it, it's it's um, alarming when I think about business school education and having 
faculty members who look like you yeah at business schools I mean they're just the pipeline for um business school PhDs who are staying in academia and and staying around for years to be able to teach the next generation of business leaders uh it's it's kind of slim so why do you think that is is you think they need to do you think they need to modify their selection process perhaps Mm -hmm. I mean do you think it's deliberate I don't think it's deliberate uh but the the way I've heard it uh exemplified is it's the the leaky pipe Mm. so you have kids being educated K through 12 and some of them are getting a quality education some of them aren't so some of them will fall out of even thinking about pursuing a PhD at that point and then of course they go to undergraduate and some of them may or may not have exposure to even thinking about pursuing the degree or pursuing a career in academia Hmm. then you have more falling out Um, and if they didn't uh, have the the relation with uh, faculty who would write recommendation letters mm-hmm. more fallout, and then for those who do masters, you still have more falling out. So then you finally get to the PhD level. Uh, academia is very based on prestige. So if you didn't go to the right school, then some more fallout, and then you have the folks who never finish their PhD more fallout. So mm. the the leaky pipe is pervasive pervasive so when you think when you overlay diversity onto that leaky pipe I mean you're you're dealing with very very few people who end up end to end where uh, they're they're teaching in a business school wow so so it sounds like you have been extremely successful at Northwestern Mutual um, and in academe and so what else have you contributed to the community since mm-hmm. you've been here? You're back in Milwaukee. Um, where are you living now? I'm in Shorewood. By the way. So you're in Shorewood. Yep. Okay. And so what are you doing in the community? Are you yeah. active in the community? Yeah, I try to be. So I'm on a couple of boards. Uh, one of the boards that I just, I, I'm always so excited to go to board meetings. Mm-hmm. I mean, all board meetings aren't exciting. But I'm on the board of Community Advocates. It's an amazing organization that has been around for quite some time, Mm -hmm. um, serves almost 70,000 individuals in the Milwaukee area, and the organization focuses its programs on people who are at or below the poverty line. Oh, okay. Um, Really, really diverse, interesting, important programs Mm. for the, the Milwaukee community and with many of the changes in funding for mm-hmm. people who are at or below the poverty line, it has been um, in a revealing experience and um, with really hard decisions on how to best support our community because there are a lot of people here in Milwaukee who have trouble paying their rent, mm. who struggle to pay their electricity bill every single month, yeah. uh, who have nowhere to go and they have to go to a shelter who are domestic victims of domestic abuse and they have to find somewhere to take their their, their children for yeah. the night um, and community advocates is one of those places that uh, so many people have been able to go and whether it's temporary or a little bit longer term they've been able to have help so that has been a very very rewarding um, board membership that I I am very, very committed to that organization. Mm. Um, 
So uh, another thing that I'm I have a passion for is education, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I recently joined the the board of Milwaukee Excellence Charter School. Oh, nice. So very high performing smaller charter school that is really taking off uh, just added a high school to to the middle school and our kids especially our inner city kids they need a chance they need a chance to to receive a quality education and that's the mission of the charter school Milwaukee Excellence Charter School um, and it's it's so rewarding to go to the school mm-hmm. and see the students and see them raise their hands and have the confidence that I wish I had at that yes. age. Um, so really excited to see where that organization can go. And, uh, and I, for them to see you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, they That's need true. to see professionals, business professionals that look like them. That's true. To see maybe this is possible. And it's totally possible. It's totally possible for them. The other board you're on. Yes, yes, very importantly. <laughs> so um, following with my passion for education and and thank you, Jeanette, is I'm on the advisory board for Cardinal Stridge's college um, school of business. And I I think it's so important because as we think about the next generation of leaders coming through undergraduate and graduate business school programs, their skill sets need to match with the market needs. Absolutely. So uh, it's really rewarding for me to take my knowledge of what Northwestern Mutual needs, but also labor market dynamics in Mm. a very tight labor market in the U.S., and it's going to continue to get tighter, uh, to help influence curricula to say, hey, maybe we need to think about incorporating these things earlier in business school education so that when these students come out of uh, their programs, they can be adequately employed and, and really thrive and contribute very quickly because I'm finding that many companies in the area and also peers in other Fortune 500 companies have said, hey, these kids aren't coming out or students aren't coming out of business school with the skill sets they need. So either there has to be on-the-job training at a very amplified way or those companies go to more experienced people. So we don't want that. We want those business school students to go into really wonderful jobs where they can learn right away. Absolutely. Now, have you thought about um, establishing a forum where you can share your background, knowledge, and experience with young girls? I, I think it. I think you would I be amazing it. at that. Like, I'm serious. I have So, it. yeah, prep, like, prep for college courses, you yeah. know, just sharing your experience, sharing even the essay writing process, just yeah. everything that you did to prepare. That's, that's a good to point. To get into an Ivy League. I yes. mean, I mean, I feel like, for some reason, I didn't go to Ivy Leagues, mm-hmm. <laughs> but I feel like you probably did a little more preparation. <laughs> I mean, it probably <laughs> takes a little more effort, right? Well, I it's mean, tacit knowledge. That's okay. the thing. So mm. someone has to show you okay. some of these things. They yes. have to advise you on how it works. Emphasize this, or you need to do this, or you need to develop these relationships. So many of us, like I didn't grow up with that. Right. Yeah. So that's what I'm saying. Like, <laughs> what's the secret sauce? Because uh, there's apparently like this. You know, there's there's a method. <laughs> there is a method. There's definitely a method, and I've. I was very fortunate to have been in multiple programs, so this is worth sharing. So um, for the MBA, I was in a program called Management Leadership for Tomorrow. 
nl4t.org is the is the website very very wonderful organization that is trying to diversify top leadership in corporate america and one of the ways they do that is to provide a one-year I call it boot camp because it yeah, felt like absolutely. boot camp yep. uh, I get for it. individuals who are interested in attending top business schools because they taught me which things to do, which things to work to on. To get in. To be able to get in. Love it. So that's a wonderful organization. Another organization worth mentioning for those of you interested in MBAs is the consortium. So I went to a consortium school. It is a network of schools who are interested in diversifying their student bodies. They're all top uh, MBA programs. And the world is so small that I bump into a lot of the people who I've met through that network. Um, but check the consortium out because it is, it, it's a wonderful organization that not only has business schools, but also corporate partners who want to hire you after you leave your MBA. That's um, amazing. So two really wonderful programs. One more worth mentioning is the PhD Project. So PhD Project has been around for quite some time also. Um, and PhD Project is, is trying to bring more diverse business school professors into the world. Um, so it, it's an immediate support network while you're going through the PhD because it's not easy. <laughs> it's right, not easy. Right. Uh, so the, the PhD Project has um, they've done really great work over the past couple of years in particular to accelerate the, the number of diverse individuals who are in business academia. That's awesome. You know what? We didn't talk about your dissertation. Oh, yeah. What yeah. did you write it on? So I have always been fascinated by big, hairy problems, big, hairy social problems um, that, that have these networks of people who get together and try to solve them. So my dissertation is about something that I call facilitative boundary leadership. So, uh, which Thank is... Thank God for the short title. <laughs> <laughs> which, which is uh, a construct that I identified that our tactics to um, successfully collaborate in a short-term project with individuals across organizations, expertise, and sectors. So my dissertation was, I, I spent a couple of years embedded with the Inter-American Development Bank. So that's the premier development bank for Latin America and the Caribbean. Right. And there's a lot that's happened in that region in the past couple of years. And um, not only from an economic standpoint and just stability of, of governments and stability of um, of some of their their dollars and, and money and, and and some of the institutions, companies have wanted to enter that region. So I was embedded in the partnership portion of the Inter-American Development Bank. And this partnership organization or function, they were trying to figure out how do we help this region become even more prosperous by bringing together public, private, and nonprofit sectors to... Um, innovate in the region. So it was fascinating because it's hard work to do cross-sector collaboration. Absolutely. Very hard work, especially in a region like Latin America, where uh, there's so much 
variation and diversity across uh, across countries. So many barriers. Yes. Language barriers. Yes. So, yeah, yes. Exactly. So much to consider. So I worked with those partnership officers to figure out what was leading to successful collaborations where the governments were happy. The nonprofits were pursuing and achieving their mes- their missions, and companies who were involved were able to break into new markets and make money at the same time. Uh, so there, there are a couple of things that do help with that, but it's very challenging. And I even look at Milwaukee and some of the, I would call them intractable problems that we have, that we're seeing more and more multi-sector partnerships. And I'm convinced that this is the leadership of the future. And your ability to cross and be able to speak the language and be able to um, do deals, for the Mm -hmm. lack of a better term, Mm -hmm. across these different types of organizations will matter, and that's how we're going to solve big problems and and also create new opportunities. Absolutely. That is amazing. Yeah. It was a fun dissertation. Yeah. And you're applying it all to well, to your current job at yes, Northwestern yes, Mutual. Yeah. Wow. I use it every single day. I You're use so blessed I to have day. you, Erin, my goodness. <laughs> and so I know you've traveled the world. Yes. Right? So let's talk about that real quick before we go, because I want to hear about all of the great places you've been to. Yeah. So like, the, what are some of your favorite locations? Yes. So I'd say. Or destinations, yeah, I should say. Yeah. And, and and I need to get some more travel in. I've got a couple <laughs> of places on my bucket list. Uh-huh. Uh, but my most recent travel was to the UK and Greece. Oh, beautiful. Uh, so I have a cousin who lives in London. So it's it's nice to have someone living somewhere where you're traveling. Absolutely. So um, really great to, to get the local version of London. But my cousin and I, we traveled to the Greek Isles a couple of months ago. Wow. And it, it was just so beautiful. So beautiful. We rented out this, this small house, and every morning I got a cup of coffee, and I went out on the patio, and I looked out at the sea, and I could see the sun rising. I mean, just beautiful. beautiful. Like, I've never felt so much at peace yeah, there. It sounds and, so breathtaking. Oh, absolutely. Like, I have amazing photos, like Aww. Instagram celebrity style. (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. I I think my sister lived there for a year. Well, her husband was in the military. So, Uh yeah, I think they were stationed there for a year. Jealous, jealous, I know, I know. Because it's breathtaking. I've never been. I'd love to go one day. I could wake up there every day. I'm sure. (laughs) And how was the weather? So, we went in the summer. Okay. And it was abnormally cold. Yeah, it was a little cold. Interesting. Right, right. And there are multiple beaches where we went, but it was a little too cold. So you couldn't take advantage <laughs> of the beach, but still, no, no. the scenery was so worth scenery it. Scenery was perfect. So you just had a little light jacket. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah, Because exactly. I'm sure it wasn't as cold as it gets here. Right. So, yeah. Right. Well, it seems like you're enjoying your job. What's next for Erin? Ooh, that's a great question. Isn't it? Because I'm convinced 2020 is my year. Yes. <laughs> yes. It's going to be a big year. I think it's going to be a big year. And and I want to go deeper into the things that I'm passionate and excited about. I'm excited about education, workforce development, economic empowerment, 
Um, and, and of course I satisfy those things in outside of my job, but I want to find a way to integrate the things that I love, Mm -hmm. um, and get paid for it too. Exactly. Um, But, but I I think the puzzle that I'm trying to solve right now is how do I have one foot in academia, one foot in industry? So this is that whole cross sector Mm -hmm. thing that, that has fascinated me because there's so many interesting challenges and opportunities that we have. Mm -hmm. And I'm not convinced staying in one company is the way to solve some of those problems. Right. Yeah. You just have to branch out. Mm -hmm. You need your, you need an LLC. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's what you need to hey. do. Yeah, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. That's how you do it. You need an, Like I'm over here taking another, notes. I know. I think you need another umbrella to do this extra work. That's I mean, true. you have so much to give. And I mean, I think you're, again, you're doing a great job where you're at. But I mean, there's just so much more in you. Yeah. That I'm just not there's sure more you're to using give. yet. More to I'm, give. I'm just saying. That's just my opinion. I agree. <laughs> so, but I'm, I so enjoyed having you on the show. Yes, thank you. And so I'm sure people are going to have tons of questions for us. Um, but I will definitely list all of the, the contact information and the notes, the websites. Um, and so we want to hear from you. We want to keep this conversation going. This is a great topic. We thank you, Erin, for being here on the show. Thank you for having Any me. Any final words? Uh, believe in yourself. Just keep going, and um, I have fallen into so many things that just just keep going because there's wonderful things for people who have great energy and, and a good attitude. Absolutely, I agree. Well, thanks everyone. Until next time, goodbye.